Today, we're continuing in a series of conversations where we've been talking about fearless living. Say fearless. This idea of fearless, where does it start? Starts in the Garden of Eden, where we see Adam and Eve, what they do? They sinned. They ate from the tree. And then as a result, they hid. They hid from their creator, the one who loved them the most. They hid. And I don't think it's all that different from where we find ourselves at times, held back by fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the future, shame, guilt. These are things that hold us back. And so part of fearless living is living fruitful. Like last week, Pastor Marty said, living with forgiveness in our hearts. And then the third component that we're gonna talk about today, part of living a fearless life is living a faithful life. Say faithful. How wonder, anybody in this room, God's been faithful in your life? Just raise your hand. Look at that. If you've ever wondered if God is good, just look at all the hands that went up. He's been faithful in unique ways in all of our lives. He's so good. We're talking about faithfulness today. And like I said, fear is something that holds us back a lot of the time. And so today, the title of my message is simply this, moving from fear to faith. Moving from fear to to faith. Fearfulness leads to hiding, shame, guilt, but faithfulness leads to freedom. Freedom. Who in this room wants to experience freedom that can only come from God? Freedom from addictions, bad habits, freedom in a cycle of bad handling of finances. Who wants freedom in this room? Man, I want freedom, which comes through faithful living. In fact, faithfulness removes fearfulness. Because a part of living faithful is trusting that God is with us in the storm. And we'll see that's a big theme today. So say this, from fear to faith. Say that with me. From fear to faith. That's what we're doing today. It's a title, but it's a proclamation. We are moving from fear to faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come into your house, to hear your word, God, I pray that you would inspire us to live a faithful life, even in the storm. God, I pray that your word would encounter us, that what I say would get out of the way and what you want to say would come through and shine through. Jesus, let your Holy Spirit touch our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, we love you. It's in your matchless name that everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. Let me ask you guys a quick question. Who in this room likes taking tests? I really got to squint. We had one hand last service. I got one hand over here. You like taking tests, anybody? Okay, that's about the response that I imagined. Most of us don't like taking tests. I don't necessarily like having to wonder, am I going to pass this class? I don't like having to calculate. Okay, and we've been here, so, so be with me what's the lowest possible grade that I can get and still make it through this class and still get through? We've been there. Not many of us like tests, but the truth is we understand that there is some value to tests because it sees if what's been taught is being learned, right? And you get good teachers who they'll test you on information that's been taught. And they might even throw a study guide in there. Oh, thank God for the teachers that gave study guides with information on it that actually was gonna make it on the test. Come on, somebody. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. The students here are extra excited about that one. Tests. I would like to submit to you this, that the tests we have in school, they're a part of the curriculum of the school system. And tests are also a part of the curriculum of life. That we live a life of tests. Maybe you even are going through a test right now. I shared this last service. People thought it was funny. I didn't think it was funny. Um, my sump pump overflowed last night. And so literally, I'm talking to Liana. I'm like, God is giving substance behind this message because quite literally, I was in a test. Two inches of water in the basement was not fun, but we made it through because God is with us even in the storm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Life is a life of tests. And who gives tests? Teachers. I don't know if you know this, but there's a man in the New Testament who he's called a teacher quite often. His name's Jesus. And he's called the good teacher. He's called a rabbi. And Jesus likes to teach something else about Jesus. He also likes to test. Multiple times throughout scriptures, we see Jesus puts the disciples to the test to see if their faith is as authentic as they say it is. Are they just talking the talk or are they walking the walk? It's really at the core of what Jesus gets at with these tests. So I believe that tests see the authenticity of our faith. In fact, I've heard this quote. You may have heard it. When you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. It's just a quote that shows when you're squeezed, you're pressed from all sides, you feel like you're in a storm. What's coming out? And that's the authenticity of the faith. We have to ask ourselves, what's coming out in the hard moments? What's coming out in the stressful situations? When I'm caught in traffic on the way home from work, what side of me is coming out? That's a, that's a question we ought to ask ourselves. And life is a life of tests. So for the next few moments, we're gonna talk a little bit about tests. How do we remain faithful even through the test? Maybe you're in this room and you started off the new year, you already feel like you've been tested. You feel like people have been testing you. Maybe a boss has been testing you. Maybe life has been testing you and you feel like you're in a test. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm and you feel like there's no way out. I just wanna encourage you, Jesus is there by your side. He's with you in the storm. And for a moment, we're gonna talk from Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35 about how we can have faith even in the storm. So if you wouldn't mind turning there to Mark four, verse 35, to give some context where we're starting off, Jesus has been teaching all day about the kingdom and they're on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And we'll see that that's important here in a minute. And so starting in verse 35, it says this, that day when evening came. So Jesus had been teaching all day. He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. I want us to pause there for a moment. Let us go over to the other side. This is a statement from Jesus, but Jesus is also the embodiment of truth, which means this is as good as a promise. So from the beginning, I want you to hear, Jesus told his disciples, don't mind what's about to happen next. We're going to the other side. I want you to, I want you to hold that in the back pocket for just a moment. But maybe when we've started off this new year, you know, like us, we, we like to do goals. We like to do resolutions. We like to get in the gym. We like to work on ourselves. But in genuineness, maybe God said, 
hey, it's time to go to the other side of that struggle that you've been walking through for a long time. Maybe it's time that we go to the other side of that addiction that has held on to your life for too long. I really believe that this statement from Jesus is not just a statement, that it could be a prophetic promise in this room right now. Hear it from Jesus. Let us go to the other side. Picking up in verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So Jesus said from the beginning, let us go to the other side. What was the other side? For them, it was gonna be an eight mile boat journey across the Sea of Galilee to where they were going to be going. From the beginning, I didn't hear him say, this is gonna be an easy journey. I didn't hear him say, hey, you're not gonna experience struggles along the way. He just said, let's go to the other side. So let's see what happens next. In verse 37, pause, before I even go there. Jesus is all knowing, amen? Jesus is all powerful, amen? He's in control, amen? So what happens next seems a little bit funny. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Okay, Jesus, you said let's go to the other side, but you didn't say anything about a storm. You didn't say anything about a struggle, about a problem. You didn't say anything about all that. You just said, let's go to the other side. And this was not just any storm. The way the Sea of Galilee is actually set up, it's in between a bunch of mountains. So what happens is when wind comes over the Sea of Galilee, it creates a vortex. And I don't know if you know what a vortex can do. I mean, we live in Illinois, so I'm sure you understand that tornadoes are a real thing. But this would have created like a mini monsoon on the Sea of Galilee. The text clues us into a few details. The waves were not just hitting the sides of the boat. This wasn't just a cute little thunderstorm. The waves were going over the boat, which means that this was not just a furious storm. This was a deadly storm. These were actually fishermen. The disciples knew what it was like to be on the water and to be in a storm. This was something different. And it was so bad that it said that the boat was nearly swamped. So they were going under. And maybe just a few weeks in to the new year, you too feel like you might be in a storm. You feel like God's really spoken to you and said, let's go to the other side. And just in a moment, a few weeks in, a few moments in to the new year, you also say, I feel like I'm going under. I feel like I'm in a storm. I feel like life has gotten hard. And you're beginning to ask why. Why would God give this to me? Why would God tell me to go to the other side of this thing and then I end up in a storm? Can I just encourage someone with a scripture? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, some translations say no test, has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Say faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Nowhere in this scripture do I see a promise that storms won't come. 
In fact, we know the exact opposite is true. Jesus promises us in the book of John, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You know, the only difference between a life lived in the faith and outside of the faith is that both are going to experience suffering. Both are going to experience pain. But the person who has Christ is walking through it with purpose, is walking through it with someone by their side named Jesus. And so you're not going to not go through storms. You are. I promise. We all have. Raise your hand if you've been through a storm, if you've been through a test. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But what are we going to do when the test comes? Where is our faith really at in the middle of the storm? You see, faith, it doesn't eliminate the problem. Faith doesn't eliminate distractions. Faith doesn't eliminate temptations. But faith shifts our attention onto the one who's truly in control who is God. Faith shifts our attention. Having faith in the storm isn't saying, this storm's not here. I don't see this around. I'm ignoring the problem. Faith in the storm says, no, even in the storm, my eyes are on the one who's in control of it. That's faith. Faithfulness is not the absence of struggle. It's the awareness that God is with us in the struggle. God's by our side. And so moving to verse 38, we see the disciples in this moment, they're probably getting a little bit frantic, probably getting a little nervous because this is a life-threatening storm. And so they go and they're looking for Jesus and anybody know where they found him? He was asleep. But there's a key note that someone caught first service. He wasn't just asleep. He was asleep on a cushion. There's a key difference there. I don't know if you've ever nodded off and took a nap. There's a difference between that and pulling out the Tempur-Pedic. They got bamboo pillows now. They got all kinds of things. If you hit your head on one of those, it's over. You're asleep. Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm. It kind of shows the humanity of Jesus. He's fully God and fully man. He was asleep. And his disciples, they woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? There's a storm outside, teacher. I don't know if you saw, but there's like a monsoon happening right now. Um, and you're asleep. Don't you know that we are going under? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? In this moment, there's two storms going on. There's the physical storm that's around them, which was the monsoon, craziness, waves, wind, but there was a more important and a scarier storm that was going on. It was the storm inside the disciples. There was a storm in their minds, in their hearts, that caused them to ask the question, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Maybe you've gotten to a point where you really do feel like, God, do you care about me? Maybe you've asked that question, how could God care about me if my life is like this? How could God care about me if I just experienced this loss? Can I just tell you that he's with you and he does care? In fact, he's with you in the darkest valley. Psalm 23, 4, David, he's being chased. He has someone literally trying to kill him. And he says this famous 
scripture. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The disciples, they saw Jesus was asleep and it caused them to ask, does, does he really care about me? And maybe you've been praying in the storm. You've done your best to be faithful and it feels like your savior is silent. It feels like he's not there. Like he doesn't actually hear you. Can I just tell you that Jesus' silence doesn't mean that he's still. He's moving in ways that you maybe can't even see. You know, Hebrews says that faith is actually the evidence of things not seen, that he might very well be working in a way that you can't see, even if he's silent. I promise you, he's not still. But something else here that I really think we need to notice is the disciple who said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They didn't say savior. They didn't know the power that this man Jesus had over the wind and over the waves. And in this moment, I think Jesus is testing the depth of the faith that the disciples had to see if they know him or if they know him. If they know him as a teacher or if they know him as a savior. In verse 39, a huge shift takes place where I believe the disciples begin to see Jesus, not just as a teacher, not just as a wise man, but as a savior and as a father. Because Jesus hears the cries of his children. Notice this, right when they woke him up and say, teacher, don't you care? Jesus got up. He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves and said, quiet, be still. Some translations say, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The disciples weren't fully aware that they were in the boat with the man who's also the God of the universe. And maybe you're in a storm right now and you feel like you're up to here with water. You feel like you're under. You might feel like you're drowning. Can I just tell you, Jesus is the man who's also the God of the universe, who also has control over anything that you might be walking through right now. He is the God in the storm and the God of the storm. He is in control and he speaks peace. And peace that comes from God, by definition, surpasses our circumstances. You ever been in a situation and you had peace that literally didn't make sense? Anybody in this room, you've had peace that didn't make sense. You're like, I'm going through some craziness right now. How in the world do I feel the way I do? It's because God gives his children peace, even in the storm. That you can have calm in the middle of chaotic mess. That you could even be resting in the promises of God while your boat is rocking in a storm. God is in control. And he's speaking peace today over the situation you might be walking through. He's speaking peace over it. I want you to receive that. I want you to know that. He has peace in his hand for his children. It's a promise that's found in his presence. Jamel, I wanna invite you up to begin playing on keys. Thank you, man.
In verse 40, Jesus, he said to his disciples, this is the turning point. I want you to hear this. This is the most important part of this entire passage. And I want you to hear this phrase, this statement from Jesus, not just to the disciples. I want you to hear this as something that's speaking to us today. Listen to this. Jesus, he looks to his disciples. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Don't you see that I just calmed all this? I had the power to do it. You just weren't aware. Do you still have no faith? You see, our fear, it's tied to our faith in the sense that when we have fear, it holds us back from moving forward. That shame, guilt, fear of the future, fear of rejection, fear of failure holds us back from moving forward into the faith-filled life that God's calling us to. And maybe you're in that position today. I want you to hear the voice of God saying, why are you so afraid? Let your faith increase in this moment. We established that the disciples were in a test and sometimes we find ourselves in tests. But what's the purpose of tests? To, to see the authenticity of our faith. Are we talking the talk or are we also walking the walk? Do we have substance behind this thing that we proclaim in worship? Do we have substance behind our words and our prayers? Are we having faith on Monday or does our faith stay with us on Sunday? Are we living a life that's faith-filled? Moving forward into verse 41, says they were terrified. After all this happens, I don't blame them. They were scared. This was crazy. This was a near-death experience. And they asked each other, who is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? They knew Jesus, they'd walked with Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus as a savior. They didn't know him as the one who was in control of the wind and the waves. You see, the test that was given was, are you gonna believe in the wind or are you gonna believe in my word? The test was, are you gonna believe in the problem that you're walking through or are you gonna believe in the promise that I spoke over you? He gave a promise. Maybe you've already forgot it. At the beginning of this passage, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And because God is truth, when he says that, it's as good as a promise. We're going to the other side. You might face a storm. I'm not telling you a storm won't come. I'm not telling you that pain won't be in the middle of the sea. I'm not telling you, you might not lose someone along the way but let's go to the other side. We are going to the other side. Yeah, we're going to the other side. <laughs> Calvary Church, you know this and I know this, but this is a time in our nation and our world's history where biblical faith is necessary. Biblical faith is necessary. We no longer can just talk the talk. It's time to walk the walk. There's too many people that are looking at the church and waiting to see, are we going to be authentic or are we gonna put on a face? It's time is up where we are just talking. Christianese, where'd that even come from? It's time that we start walking the walk. 
saying, no, I'm going to be as faith-filled as I am on Sunday, as I am on Monday, as I am on Tuesday, all the way until Saturday, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to worship God on Sunday, celebrating that I had faith in the God of the storm. It's time to have faith that rises, like a test to see if you're ready to go to the next grade level. Test in our life, see, are we ready to go to a new level of faith? Are we ready to go deeper in our faith? Who in this room says, I wanna go deeper in my faith than ever before? Who in this room says, I wanna know God more. I want more of him in my life. You see, the beauty of it is we never will arrive until we step into God's presence and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Until then, we're all in process. Whether you're a sixth grader or whether you're a senior, whether you're uh, uh, an adult, whether you have kids, whether you have grandkids, we're all in progress. We're all works in progress. There's so much to know. Isn't it beautiful that God is so vast that we could spend an eternity chasing after him in knowledge and we still wouldn't get the full picture. God is so vast. He's so big. So we got to keep learning. 